Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. And today I am back on the line with my brother in the illumination of the red light, Mark Sloan. How you doing, bro? Doing good, buddy. It's good to be back. Yep, yep. So in this podcast, I'm going to start with uh, drawing a comparison to the world of cryptocurrency, which Mark, you know, that's kind of something I've, I've been, I've been into lately, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So in the world of cryptocurrency, there's three things that you want and you rarely get all three. You want speed, security, and scalability. And you typically don't get all three of those things. Typically you get like a trade-off between those things. And in the biohacking world, we also kind of have three things that we want, but we rarely get all three of these things in our uh, biohacking interventions, in the tools or supplements that we could use. And those are safe, effective, and affordable. And you typically do not get all three of those in a biohack. For example, of um, C60. C60 is a pretty cool anti-aging intervention, a uh, anti-fragility imbuing agent, and it's definitely safe. It's definitely effective, but it's really not very affordable. And you can also think of something like modafinil, the uh, the hardcore motivational cognitive enhancement smart drug that is quite popular. And boy, modafinil really is effective in giving you a lot of brain power, but it is uh, not very safe at all. And so when we, when I come across something that is all three of those together, then that's just a total no-brainer. Things that fall into that category of being safe, effective, and affordable are, that's the holy grail that we have, uh, that that's the holy grail. And when I come across those three things together in a supplement or in an intervention, then that's something that I want to uh, shout from the mountaintops about. And having just finished your most recent short book, I think Methylene Blue is one of them. There it is. Yeah, there's the book. So the fans can see that. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think it is too. I mean, you're right. There are very few things that do have uh, a high degree of efficacy and are cheap and safe at the same time, especially in the medical world. There's nothing like that, that your doctor can really give for you. So that's why it's such a pleasure to be able to present this information, this uh, alternative therapy that's not very profitable for the pharmaceutical companies uh, to the world and uh, see the results. And they're, they're coming in already. There's lots of great testimonials coming in. I'm really, really happy with that because it made it all worthwhile. Yeah, so we can describe the mechanism and the science of methylene blue a little later. Tell me, give me, give me an, a powerful anecdote or testimonial or tell me about what you've experienced with it. Uh, one of the interesting things about methylene blue is like, it's like to the degree that your body's metabolism is low, you will notice benefit. So typically really old people and like the elderly will really notice a lot of benefit. And that's kind of what I'm seeing. A lot of my audience is like 40 to 70, even to 80. And uh, they're saying that like pain that they've had for years has gone away. One came in recently saying that. Uh, yeah, just basically from what I'm getting from emails so far, I mean, the book launched I think May 14th, I published it and then I launched it between then and now at some point, maybe a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I've had a few anecdotes coming in, people uh, telling me that it's helping already. So it's a pretty good sign. And what about yourself? How long have you been on Methylene Blue? 
I've taken it in the past and I didn't really notice anything uh, just to test it out. And uh, then while writing this book, I was just like, it exceeded my expectations of what I thought this stuff could do. And so then I started taking it again and being like right immersed in the information and taking it at the same time is really exciting. Uh, one thing I definitely noticed actually, I, mean, I said I didn't notice too many things, but this is definitely one thing that I did. Uh, I've been playing tennis every year. So once a week I play tennis and uh, last year I played and then I noticed a big difference between last year and this year. So I guess um, your like depth of character is kind of based on the amount of energy you have, which is kind of why people when they're drunk or they take some kind of drug that it increases like stress, just gives you like that surge of energy. So they feel like themselves more than ever. Um, I kind of had that effect while playing tennis. So I noticed last year I would play, I always play really hard. And then you have to count score. You have to like remember names and converse. And it was like, I didn't have quite enough energy to play hard, count, and then kind of have conversation and anything like that. And then this year I noticed I'm counting, I'm playing hard. And then I'm also like have this excess resources to complement people's shots. And it just, it felt a lot differently. It was like, I had this greater capacity, just a greater energy supply, which is what methylene blue does. Yeah, that, and what sort of dosage were you on? Uh, typically I do like 10 to 20 milligrams a day. So my morning orange juice, I put 20 drops in there and that's 10 milligrams. And then sometimes I repeat that before bed. Okay, so, so twice, twice a day. And okay, so let's talk about the, there's, okay, so there's a paradigm shift that may be necessary for some people to understand methylene blue in regards to nitric oxide. And we've, I, I think anybody that's into health has heard about nitric oxide. And I had heard, I had heard, um, well, geez, it seems like advertising. It seems like I'd heard a lot of advertising of different nitric oxide promoting uh, products and nutraceuticals. And I was always a little bit uh, suspicious of that because it says it right there in the name, nitric oxide. It's, uh, it's an oxide. It's the opposite of an antioxidant, right? And so your book kind of uh, red-pilled me on nitric oxide. Could you explain that a bit? Yeah, so if you go to your doctor, um, medical doctors, nurses, even uh, naturopaths, uh, they're all taught that nitric oxide is like this kind of miracle molecule of anti-aging and brain performance enhancement. And um, this paradigm is actually turning out to be false. And it's like, while nitric oxide does uh, dilate the blood vessels and allow for greater blood flow, which in a short burst can be beneficial for people who have uh, hypoxia and local tissues. Um, if you have too much nitric oxide, it turns out it does the exact opposite. Vasoconstriction reduces oxygenation and it causes problems. Nitric oxide itself is found in city smog. So it's actually uh, a free radical uh, unbeknownst to most people. So obviously taking a free radical in excess is not good. And that's what a lot of like bodybuilding supplement manufacturers promote. It's big in the bodybuilding world. Uh, it's, I think it's pretty big in like the nootropics world as well. And it's heavily promoted by our society. And um, yeah, I think that paradigm is wrong. So my first chapter in the book is called Nitric Oxide Miracle Molecule or Aging Accelerant. And basically I present the case that that's not the case at all. And that increasing nitric oxide uh, with any kind of supplement or drug is actually going to have in the long run or in excess uh, negative effects, which is the exact opposite of what they're claiming. So would you say that uh, nitric oxide could be a little bit kind of like calcium in that it's, it's an important chemical ingredient in the body, but more often than not in modernity, we have too much of it. Uh, well, yeah, the way I look at nitric oxide is like a, it's like a backup molecule that the body uses when there's no carbon dioxide available, which is like the body's primary vasodilator. 
So when that's not available because cells aren't functioning properly, then it sends in the nitric oxide. But the problem is when you look at the health of a cell, um, from my research, everything leads to the conclusion that it's about metabolism. So if the cell's producing energy effectively, then the cell's healthy and you're just a collection of cells. So if, if all your cells are producing energy effectively and efficiently, then you're healthy. And the thing with nitric oxide is when you look at the perspective of cellular health metabolically, it actually tends to bind to a very important respiratory enzyme, cytochrome C oxidase, which completely switches it off. And then that forces a cell to produce energy uh, in the absence of oxygen, which is basically the starting point of all disease and symptoms that we call diseases. So it has a very fundamental uh, off-putting off effect on the metabolism of cells. So while it can be beneficial in like, like I was saying, a short burst, um, taking it in excess, anything beyond what the body can produce endogenously when it's needed, uh, I don't think is a, a good thing at all. And what is the connection between nitric oxide and testosterone? Uh, yeah, for the bodybuilding fans who love taking nitric oxide supplements like L-citrulline, which is an amino acid, or L-arginine, another amino acid, a precursor to nitric oxide. I put a couple studies in there uh, on the effects of nitric oxide on test testosterone because the supplement manufacturers um, they're telling bodybuilders and exercisers that this is going to improve your performance and muscle growth. And if, if it reduces testosterone, then it's pretty obvious right there that it's kind of case closed. This is not what you're, you're looking for. If you're a guy who's looking for enhanced performance, man or woman, doesn't really matter because testosterone's heavily involved in strength and just physical performance in general. So yeah, there were two specific studies I that had similar conclusions and it basically the nitric oxide inhibits the steroidogenesis and it ends up lowering testosterone levels. Okay. So I had, there was a passage of your book that I think I read it like three or four times because it's particularly uh, relevant to, to me, but I think also maybe relevant to something that I talk about a lot on the Limitless Mindset channel. And so you're talking about the nitric oxide and then you were referencing a animal study and you said the study showed that testosterone was significantly decreased in the group that received nicotine alone, but in the group that received nicotine as well as the nitric oxide inhibitor, testosterone levels were significantly higher. In other words, elevated nitric oxide stimulated by the nicotine decreased testosterone levels by taking a nitric oxide inhibitor in addition to the nicotine, testosterone levels were maintained. And so I'm trying to, I use nicotine cyclically. I go on the stuff and off of the stuff. And so I was, I read that like four times trying to, trying to figure out, because I think the animal study came to the, indicated that the, that taking the nicotine uh, resulted in some decreased testosterone levels, which would kind of, that would like confirm the thing that you always see on uh, on cigarette package in different countries on cigarette packages. They show this little, this silly little picture on the back of the cigarette package to try to dissuade people from oh, smoking yeah. cigarettes. Nasty photos, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and a lot of times one of the things is it says that the smoking cigarettes will uh, make your boners not so awesome, dudes. Uh, and so, so the, so, so the, this study was confirming that, um, which was, that was a little bit troubling to me that partially motivated me to, uh, go off of nicotine for, I don't know, at least a month here. Um, but it, then it says that the nitric oxide inhibitor, uh, basically washed out that negative effect of the 
nicotine. And I do, I do like nicotine itself as a smart drug, as a creativity drug. So did your, is your research basically indicating that it's pretty, that uh, for a guy that wants to have optimal testosterone levels, it's pretty okay to do, to use nicotine, not smoke, not vape, but uh, use nicotine in like, uh, in like the gum or use a pharmaceutical USP type solution as long as you are using a nitric oxide inhibitor like methylene blue and caffeine on top of it. In, in that case, you're kind of neutralizing the negative effect of the nicotine, if I'm understanding correctly. Yeah, I think that's what the study suggests. It's interesting you mentioned that though, because I've heard like Dr. Ray Pete is someone who I look to, look to for information. Like one of my mentors, he's been doing this for like 40 years, looking at deriving all of his conclusions from the, the evidence, which is important, I think. And he's, I heard him say that nicotine is actually a, a beneficial substance. And a lot of people talk down about, you know, cigarettes, which obviously have lots of negative effects from the, the smoke itself. But he was saying, if you have pure nicotine, I think he once said in an interview that I listened to, that can actually be beneficial. So I'm a bit conflicted about that, to be honest. Maybe in that study, like I'm not sure what they used for nicotine. Maybe it was like cigarette smoke, you know, uh, and that's why it induced the nitric oxide. So I haven't looked in depth at the nicotine. I've heard good things, but apparently in that study, somehow it increased nitric oxide. And I'm not sure if all nicotine will do that or not. So yeah, I don't think they would have given cigarettes to the <laughs> to the rats. So hopefully they, not. <laughs> yeah, they probably used uh, they probably used a USP solution that had some type of artificial flavoring in it, so that the oh, rats yeah. would actually consume. So that the rats would actually consume the the stuff. But it, I think I'm probably going to update my articles on nicotine and my guidance on nicotine because mm -hmm. I, I do recommend it to uh, biohackers quite often. I think I will recommend using the methylene blue alongside nicotine, uh, at least at least to men, because that my other, this is, this is, uh, going from the scientific to going from the the scientific observation to the very very personal observation, my cum taste changes whether I'm on nicotine or off of it. It gets it gets worse um, on nicotine. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, I I I I, I mean there's, there's I could probably uh, I don't know if there's studies. On that, I don't know if there's anyone else out there, even on the internet, bold enough to talk about that. But uh, I found that to be consistent. So that, yeah, that makes me think that there is probably some type of interaction going on there between the nicotine and the the sexual health, and that it's probably if someone's going to use nicotine as a performance enhancer, which it is pretty good for that, um, then they'd want to have a, then they'd want to have a really good nitric oxide inhibitor alongside, which is why I'm, uh, well, I'm going to be shopping uh, methylene blue here shortly. Yeah, that sounds like a great combination. That way you're getting the best of the nicotine, best of both worlds, and you're protected by the methylene blue. So yeah, it sounds like a nice little stack. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. I'll put, I'll, I'll publish a, I'll put a video out about that. So you're not a fan of the L-arginine. Uh, well, from everything I've looked at into nitric oxide, uh, L-arginine being a precursor to it. Um, yeah. It's not something I would take. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I don't think it's conducive to long-term health. So there was a, in the Better Baby book by Dave Asprey, which I finished recently, he was he was speaking rather highly of L-arginine as a fertility agent for for men and for for women that it increased uh, increased sperm count, motility, um, and that it did some good things for women also. So, do you think that maybe if you were doing L-arginine for uh, 
limited amount of time um, in combination with nitric oxide inhibitors that it's probably probably okay if you were if it was a shorter term thing ah uh, well increasing nitric oxide while taking an inhibitor of it just kind of seems counterproductive there's a really interesting study i mentioned in my book um, for the audience who haven't read it yet uh, out of the netherlands and the idea was they were looking at improving the study was on a number of pregnant women and they wanted to improve like the outcomes of the fetus, the fetus and have a healthier baby essentially so the idea was because medical personnel and the popular myth in our culture is this idea that you know nitric oxide um, increases vasodilation so that will in their theory increase the circulation to the fetus and that will improve bring in more nutrients and then create a healthier baby well it turns out that study ended in disaster and it killed a number of the babies. Mm. Um, so I think that shows right there. And actually, interestingly, when they looked at what like the mechanisms behind it were, uh, it actually it restricted the blood flow. So in excess, like what they gave and administered to the pregnant women, which is actually Viagra, by the way, which is insane. They're administering Viagra to pregnant women um, because it's a nitric oxide agonist. Um, but it ended up killing the babies and ironically, contrary to what they're told and their belief that it is a vasodilator, it constricted the vessels and it choked off the oxygen supply to the fetus and that's how it actually killed them. So it seems to have the opposite effect of what they're looking to do. Yeah, that seems insane to give Viagra to pregnant women. I've, I've never even used Viagra. I've, I've used uh, horny goat weed. I've used a couple of other of the herbal um, libido, libido enhancers, but I've, yeah, I've, I've never, never used uh, Viagra. It seems, yeah, I, I've heard too many, like, the, what was the story about the, the Colombian guy whose, whose dick exploded and he, he bled out, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. In the book, I talk about that, um, just to really kind of shout that one for the rooftop for all the men out there who, you know, think that's going to be beneficial. It's, it's not, I mean, it's advertised really well. It's almost like common knowledge. You, you need a boner, you take Viagra, but this stuff is dangerous. And it turns out, you know, the example I used was this man who took a couple of Viagras before his big date, his girlfriend, and they had a great night and all that. And, you know, what sometimes happens is you wake up the next day and your erection just doesn't go away. And so this man's erection like stayed for like three or four days. <laughs> At first, it sounds amazing, right? It's like permanent erection. That's amazing. But no, this thing wouldn't end. And it turns out he went to the hospital eventually telling the doctors, you know, like, I can't get rid of this thing. And it turns out like his penis was like fractured and it's just super painful. And they ended up chopping it off. So Ooh. that could be the result of taking Castr so. Side effects may include castration. <laughs> Moving on, something that's really interesting about methylene blue, and for this reason alone, I would urge people to get it as kind of like a, as a bio prep, as like a medicine that you should just keep a, a store of around, is it's a very potent antiviral. And my understanding is that this is it's a it's kind of its historical application was as a anti-malarial in World War II. It was very popular for that reason. And if you look up uh, if you look up methylene blue and you look up the current discussion on it, it all revolves around its uh, its anti-COVID effects, which is, which is like really pretty relevant to everyone nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So there's been a lot of research on COVID using methylene blue. In fact, uh, it's great to see the Chinese, you know, took responsibility if it really did escape from a lab in Wuhan, which I don't know. Um, oh yeah. Did, did they, March. did they, did they take responsibility? Would they say, Hey, you know, when, when something's your fault, you know, you should, you should take responsibility and uh, that's, that's the right thing to do. So, so that's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> Probably yeah, not, yeah. right? <laughs> so it turns out like uh, last March, um, Chinese scientists, they got into the lab and they tested the flu COVID and, and 
two seconds. So very, very effective. And it's funny that wasn't followed up on until like December. And then it was repeated in many different labs in different countries. Um, many people have heard of hydroxychloroquine used for COVID as well. Um, there's some doctors that came out publicly speaking about it. And uh, of course, you know, the media just trashed them for it. But I mean, hundreds of testimonies, people that they've helped with it. Um, that speaks louder than the media, I think. And interestingly, so hydroxychloroquine, it turns out is a derivative of methylene blue. So methylene blue is a base compound for that, which suggests it might too be beneficial for it. And yeah, that's been studied. So like I said, the Chinese study. And then also there's an interesting one in Italy that I want to mention, uh, terminal cancer patients. Um, so they're, I think they've already gotten their, their poison injections, the chemo, and the doctor said there's nothing else we can do. So they're just kind of sitting there. Uh, waiting to die, basically. And so they, they administered methylene blue to them. And so if you think of COVID, like the, what's which group is most likely to get it? It's the old elderly patients, right? Kids don't typically get it. And so this is the highest, the group at the highest risk, elderly, sick patients, and they give a methylene blue to improve their quality of life. And interestingly, none of them got COVID. So, I mean, we, we could be talking about a world-class preventative here as well. Yeah, that's... That's that's fantastic. So obviously, I've heard uh, about hydroxychloroquine about you know five thousand times in the past in the past year, and I have done a lot of uh, I I have a different websites out there where like you can buy different drugs, like typically, like kind of like, like the drugs that are kind of like hard to get the kind of drugs that usually require prescriptions. I, I have some, some websites in my, uh, in my bookmarks, some of, some of those lesser known kind of websites oh, that, yeah. uh, you know, Aquarium they only accept. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, the websites that uh, they only accept cryptocurrency and they'll, they ship you things very discreetly, those kind of websites. And hydroxychloroquine itself is pretty hard to get one's hands on nowadays. I, I do believe like in the past, I, I, I wish that I had like gotten a stash of hydroxychloroquine um, like a couple of years ago, because I'm, I'm sure it's like, gone up in value uh, the way Bitcoin has. Um, but yeah, like looking around on the internet, I, I think I found one place that had it and it was actually like pretty, pretty steep. And I've got, I have, I don't think I've gotten COVID yet. Actually, I don't think anybody in my family has gotten COVID yet here. Um, but I want to have like, a, I've got at this point, a pretty good uh, armentarium of immune medicines to combat it when when I when I do get it I have the uh, I've got azithromycin I've got I've got that I, I got that recently which is the um, oh what is there there's there's a protocol that uh, what what's the guy the green fellow there's a uh, oh what's the guy's name I think his name is Vladimir Vladimir Zelenko. Oh, yes. Yes. Green. Zelenko is green in Russian. Okay. Yeah. The Zelenko protocol. I'm sure you've heard of it, which is hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. And so I got the, so I got the zinc. That's really easy to get. Uh, the azithromycin, I got that from Rue Pharma, but the hydroxychloroquine, I can't get my hands on. And so what I'm going to do basically is get methylene blue. And then I'll use methylene blue as kind of a preventative measure. Like I'll just, I'll just, me and my wife will take like a drop or two of it a day in our, in our beverages. And then if we do come down with the COVID, I don't think I'm going to get my hands on the hydroxychloroquine. Uh, I don't want to go to the hospital. That's like, <laughs> I, I really like that's that's the one kind of building in this world that I will do just about anything to avoid to avoid visiting, oh, and yeah, there. so so I'll I'll, I'll use uh, in the absence of being able to get hydroxychloroquine, and I I think other people will find it challenging to get hydroxychloroquine because it seems to me it's probably uh, it's probably a lot of hospitals and a lot of doctors are buying up hydroxychloroquine. And then I bet you, I bet you there's a bunch of kind of, uh, 
kind of like vulture capitalists that are like buying up supplies of hydroxychloroquine just because like it's going to be worth more in the future, right? So I would urge people to buy methylene blue because then if you get COVID or if a loved one gets COVID, then um, you might not be able to get azithromycin, but you can definitely get zinc and then you will just give them a, a bit of a higher end dose of, of methylene blue. I think that's kind of like my, that's my plan in case of, yeah, in case we get COVID here. That sounds like a good idea. Another thing you could add to the mix is um, a can of tonic water, Pepsi, Coke, uh, no name, doesn't matter. They put quinine in there, which is an enzyme precursor as well. So there's a metabolic medicine inside tonic water, which many people aren't aware of. And uh, so that's another effective thing. I think that's probably what I would do if I came down with it. A little quinine, one per day, uh, methylene blue, and then red light therapy as well. And that seems like a pretty dynamite combination. And, oh, I'll show you one more thing to this. Oh, Bitcoin, nice. What's in that thing? <laughs> okay, this is a diffuser. This is a, uh, yeah, an aromatherapy diffuser. And it just has the Bitcoin logo on it because I think it, I think it looks cool. And the company that sells it, Organic Aromas, they accept cryptocurrency. <laughs> so uh, what I would do is use the hydrogen peroxide you can diffuse hydrogen peroxide. And uh, that, that is, has a, that's a way of bringing the antiviral agent in the hydrogen peroxide into the, uh, right into the lungs directly. So yeah, so I feel like, I, 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 I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm so prepared. Like I want, I want COVID to come my way. Like, cause I'm just, I'm just so ready. I'm just so ready, ready for it. it. <laughs> right on. Is that a tablet of hydrogen peroxide or how does that work? Like, do you dissolve it in water or is it liquid? Oh yeah, this is liquid hydrogen oh. peroxide. So I would just pour it. I would just pour it in there. And then I have to, uh, Dr. Mercola's current most recent book, The Truth About COVID-19. I'm in the middle of it right now. And he includes in that book a, a protocol for using the diffuser with the hot, with a hydrogen peroxide. So I, yeah, I, I'm when I finish that book, I'll publish a review of it, and I'll be sure to include that protocol. Oh, sounds good. I've seen that book. He's selling a lot of those, like very high up on. It might be like number two on Amazon, <laughs> at least when I looked at it. Yeah, I'm. The part of the book that I'm in is basically just kind of, it's covering all of the same kind of stuff that the, all the different um, truther podcasts out there, like all the, all the same stuff that the alternative media has been talking about for the past uh, year or so. He just really like meticulously documents that and then I think in the second half of the book, he gets more into the biohack. And that's what I'm that's what I'm more interested in because I think I I think I already understand, you know, the origin of it and the the intention that uh, is behind the, the COVID agenda, basically. Um, so I'm gonna publish a review just just focusing on the biohacking stuff, on like what is the pragmatic stuff that people would want to do. And I'm definitely going to include methylene blue. Wh what is your go-to source of methylene blue? Uh, well, I was writing the book. I was like, all right. So it convinced me that I want to take this in low dose every single day. It's a nice little, the way I think of it is like a protective factor that, you know, protects us against an imperfect environment. Uh, so I was like, I want a really good quality source. I don't want to buy from China or India. There's a lot produced out there. I want to support local if possible, right? So there's nobody in Canada, no manufacturers that I've found. Uh, the closest one was in the U.S. Uh, another thing that's very important is that you, get, that you get pharmaceutical grade. There's industrial grade, which is used by the textile industry to dye fabric. There's chemical grade that they use in labs, and then there's pharmaceutical grade. So I knew I wanted the USP grade pharmaceutical stuff. And I found a company in the U.S. called Biofarm. 
and I reached out to them. I'm like, I'm writing a book on Methylene Blue. It's an amazing product. I actually spoke with their chemist. The guy's incredible. And he, he sees the potential. He know, he's very aware of how amazing and kind of suppressed its benefits are. So I was like, you, you want to team up? I'm writing a book. Um, if you give me like a 10% off discount code, I can give that to the, offer that to the people that are reading it. And uh, I'll send you a bunch of people your way. And um, so the company I use is Biofarm. And that's what I take myself and uh, anyone who reads the book can get a 10% off discount if they wish. And uh, there are other people that sell it, but I love the fact that it's in the U.S. supporting local. If you're in Bulgaria, though, um, I don't know. I can't help you with that one. There might be, there's definitely somebody closer probably that can get that for you. Yeah, I identified a U.S. source that looked pretty good, which was science.bio. And they have COAs published on their website. And I took a careful gander at the COAs and they did not look like Chinese COAs. They were COAs done there at Colmeric Analytica in Tennessee, which is like, they're one of the main laboratories that does, like basically like if a company is trying to sell a legit product, uh, as opposed to like really cutting the corners on a product, I'll, they'll typically use Colmeric Analytica. Whenever I see their little logo on a COA, I'm like, okay, okay, these, this is probably a pretty legit product. So, I th so I'm going to link below this podcast, everywhere that people are listening to this podcast below, I'll link over to science bio and they offer both the solution and they offer the powdered version and they actually both cost the same there's a solution which is 300 milligrams at 10 milligrams per milliliter that's $20 and then also for $20 they have got 10 grams powdered although that's sold out at the moment. Maybe it'll be back in stock by the time people are listening to this. Are you, have you used the powder stuff or are you just using the, the bottled stuff? No, I never used the powdered stuff. I think that'd be really gross. It'd be easy to put way too much in. I've had somebody who reached out and said, uh, because of my book on balneotherapy, which is therapeutic baths, I recommend putting some methylene blue in there. Well, this guy put a bunch of powder in there and it like stained his bathtub blue. <laughs> um, so I haven't experimented with the powder. Uh, I've tried like fish versions of methylene blue. They use it in aquariums. A lot of uh, fish enthusiasts and um, people involved in like aquaculture, they use it to keep the fish healthy, protects them against excess nitrogen. And um, it also, it's like an antifungal for the tank. So yeah, very good for fish. I've tried the fish version, which is not USB grade, but I survived and I didn't notice any ill effects. Um, it could very well be that that stuff's absolutely fine, but I like to play it safe and go with USP. So on USP, I've actually tried the one you're talking about, science.bio. I went out at one point and bought like four of them, all the ones I could find. That was one mm -hmm. of them. Um, and yeah, I still am working my way through those because I have a lot. <laughs> and I've also got some biofarm, the new stuff as well. So yeah, I like the idea of getting both, of getting the solution and then also getting the powder. And basically the powder, I would put it in my doomsday prepping bunker. Like just, yeah, just in case, uh, you know, shit hits the fan. And uh, yeah, like we, the internet goes down, the, uh, the asteroid and the alien, you know, land on earth and mm. society crumbles. Then I'll have like a solid, uh, a solid antiviral antifungal that I can that I can rely on because you're in your book you said that it's it's shelf life was probably perpetual yeah even in the liquid form which I was really happy to hear if you keep it in a decent temperature um with yeah keep the light out of it and yeah the chemist that I talked to said it lasts pretty much indefinitely they put a five-year shelf life on it but that's just you kind of have to put some kind of shelf life they're trying to protect themselves but he's like between you and me pretty much lasts indefinitely it's very stable so yeah and i might add that you do not sell methylene blue 
because that's uh, people, uh, you know, they suspect, uh, uh, people will suspect that as soon as you're, you're writing a book about something, they're like, oh, you probably, you probably sell this. To like I, there was a book I read about half of it recently about colloidal silver and, or about structured colloidal silver. And it was like, it was interesting. It was endlessly praising all these really fantastic qualities of structured colloidal silver. But then if you look at the author, he has got uh, an e-commerce store where it looks like he has a pretty good business selling colloidal silver. And so like, I'd, I'd love to just be able to trust people, but like when someone writes a book about something and then they sell, then they sell that thing, then they're like, their primary business is obviously selling that thing, then like people get a little bit suspicious. So I might point out that um, I think maybe the companies that we mentioned that we linked to, I think maybe they pay us 10 or 15% commission for sending them uh, sales, but we are not, uh, yeah, I don't care to be in the methylene blue business and I don't think you do either. Yeah, exactly. I actually looked into that. That's kind of why I bought all the different brands I could find. I was like, you know, how do they, uh, what kind of a label do they put on their bottles? I was thinking about bottling it and selling it, but I don't want to have to go to the post office and bring blue, like, more packages <laughs> back and forth that that would just not be fun so you will eventually blue yourself epically you'll be bluer than the blue man group <laughs> yeah i guess that's another reason i don't want the powder it's it's a dye and the powder i feel like would be even more messy but ideally i would love to have encapsulated versions or even a tablet of this stuff because when you put drops in a drink um, I usually use like juice or something. Uh, right now for this demonstration, we got some water though. But you basically take your dropper and you put some methylene blue in there and you stir it up and drink it. But I find um, the doses that they use for the application that methylene blue is FDA approved, which is called methoglobinemia, methamoglobinemia, which is poisoning basically. Any kind of drug overdose or if you eat a poisonous mushroom and go to the emergency room. Methylene blue is the first line of treatment. Um, and if you want to use the dose that they do, it's like one to two milligrams per kilogram. They actually infuse it IV style at two milligrams per kilogram over a course of five minutes. If you put that amount in a drink and drank it, it would be really distasteful. It would taste disgusting. So I would love to have some kind of capsule or a tablet with a really high dose, which is not a high dose but much more that you can get in a drink. That'd be ideal. But for now, I guess I do the liquids. Um, I think it would be messy to try to make capsules myself too, but that would, that's kind of my dream. Yeah, make I made capsules one time and it is, it's inevitably messy. And it'd be, it'd be even worse with this, uh, this extremely potent blue dye. So we oh, should, yeah. we should mention the usage and dosage so the dosage, there's a range, of course, and the range is 0.5 to 2 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. And for the people who don't want to do the math on that, I have done it for you. I created a, a little grid here on my article about methylene blue, which is going to be linked below wherever people are listening to this podcast. So at... Okay, so at a hundred pounds, so like a, you could think like a, a smaller woman, that would be the low dosage would be 22 milligrams of methylene blue. And then the high dosage would be 90 milligrams a day. And then the medium dosage would be about 45 milligrams. And then, so then if you took a, uh, if you took 65 kilograms, or 143 pounds, that's about the size I am. I would wanna take something like about 65 milligrams a day. And then a person who was 100 kilograms or 220 pounds would wanna take something like, like 100 milligrams a day. Is, is that pretty accurate? Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm not sure which version of my book you got, but I actually put in because people were asking that, uh, a chart similar to what you made, it sounds like. Um, and yeah, that does sound right. And 
by the way, so a 1% solution of methylene blue um, is 0.5 milligrams dose per drop. So if we're talking, you want 100 milligrams a day, that's 200 drops. And I recommend dividing that into many different drinks throughout the day because the flavor does get intense uh, after when you put a lot in it. Yeah, the first time I tried this thing, I was doing it the wrong way. Some some company sent it to me and I, I really, I had heard about it like on podcasts once or twice, but I just didn't know very much about it. And so I just squirted. I just took like, you know, a nice dropper full of this stuff and just squirted it in my mouth. And then nice. my mouth was, uh, my mouth was insanely blue. I have a, oh, I have a funny video. I actually, actually I got a funny story to tell people and then I'll let you go. Cause it's about dinner time here in the Roseland household. I was in, I was in Spain about five years ago in Valencia, Spain. And I was at this cafe. I found this really cool cafe in Valencia, Spain. And I was there doing my midday dose of my nootropics. You know, I got my laptop, I got my nootropics, I've got my, uh, yeah, I'm in the zone, right? And I go to do, I go to do my methylene blue, okay? Um, so my mouth is like really, and I'm doing it the wrong way. So my mouth is like super blue. Oh, and no. then, <laughs> And then, and then I'm just about to do some phenylparacetam, you know, some powdered phenylparacetam. And then I get a, I get a tap on my shoulder. Okay. And I turned her and I turn around and it's this, this cute Colombian girl. Cause she saw that I was wearing this Colombian soccer Jersey. Right. And so she's like, Oh, another, like, a, imagine meeting another Colombian in Spain. And she's like, she was like, I could tell she was like excited to talk to me, but I have this like, I have like white powder and then I have this extremely blue mouth. And so it was, <laughs> so, so I, I didn't get far. I didn't get far with, with, with that one. So That's yeah, you don't, spell. yeah. So you don't want to squirt the methylene blue directly in your mouth. You want to, uh, yeah, just do like, do like a couple drops in a, in a beverage and do that twice a day, thrice a day? Yeah, usually I do two times a day, but especially if you're going for, I wouldn't even call this a high dose, the 0.5 to two milligrams per kilogram. Anything below 2.0 milligrams per kilogram or less is almost no side effects ever. So it's important to not exceed that range, but even that is still a very low dose. Um, yeah. Okay, okay, so I wanted to ask you a few questions about red light therapy, but I want to give people a call to action to go and get this book on Amazon. Get it as a, get it as a Kindle um, because it's one of these books that is, you don't have to read it cover to cover like I did. You can just get the book on Kindle and then control F, search within the book for whatever you're looking for, for whatever you are curious about. And then order the, order the methylene blue. And then you, there's some protocols that differ a little bit for the different reasons why people might want to use methylene blue. And there's, uh, from the book, it's used for, um, it's used, it, it can be used to counter poisoning. So if you're, so if you're, if you're ever poisoned, which like that does happen in life, you, you may be poisoned. So it would be good to have methylene blue around. It, it uh, works as an antiviral drug, anti-COVID, as we discussed, it has a uh, anti-Alzheimer's effect. It has a nootropic effect. It has a antidepressive effect. And then it also has this almost kind of an anti-PTSD effect that you, that you mentioned, which I find that I find really, really interesting. And I've actually, I'm actually, I've actually got kind of like an experiment that I'm gonna do on that effect alone. And then I'm gonna, then in, an, in a couple of months, I'll report back on that, it has an antidepressive effect. It has a uh, it has a prospective um, anti autism effect, 
which is, which is very interesting. Um, and then it has a pain relief effect along with finally an anti-cancer effect. So people will probably want to, yeah, like whichever one of those things uh, stimulates your curiosity a bit, get the book and then read the chapter corresponding to that. And then just take uh, methylene, methylene blue in whatever the appropriate protocol is. And I think you'll be, I think you'll be not disappointed with it because again, it falls into the uh, the center of those three things that usually don't overlap, which is uh, affordability, effectiveness, and safety. Yeah, absolutely. And something interesting too is like in hospitals, like I said, they use like a two milligram per kilogram dose. Yet some of the evidence suggests that like probably 1% of that, I haven't done the calculations, but a very, very small dose is enough with this stuff. So for example, there was a study on Alzheimer's and they found just simply a 10 milligram dose. So that's 20 drops a day, um, 10 drops in your morning orange juice, 10 drops in your before bed orange juice, and that's it. So it's amazing how far this stuff can go. And when you take the smaller dose, it seems to have incredible effects. And there's potential that that's the optimal dose as well, the most effective dose. So that makes it even less expensive and it'll last even longer. Uh, so it's very exciting and we need to kind of narrow this down. I'm very excited going forward to see and hear about people's testimonials using various doses and what it can do for them. But it, it very could likely be that uh, a small, very small dose is the optimal, so. Okay, yeah, that's what I'll proceed with. Because in the past I was doing a dose that was uh, I think way too way too high. And I, yeah, I used up my supply of methylene blue really quickly. It seems, seems like doing that, doing that micro dose, which may actually be most efficacious, you could probably take a, a $20 supply of it and make that last about six months. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's the beauty. It's an inexpensive medicinal blue dye. You can't beat that. And, um, yeah, so that study that I was talking about that suggested that 10 milligrams might be the optimal, um, they compared, uh, there was two different doses there. So they gave people 300 milligrams, which is 600 drops a day to put that to perspective versus people who got 10 milligrams and the 10 milligram dose uh, group actually had better benefits. So very, very promising that a, a tiny micro dose is very effective, which is why I like to uh, do a couple doses a day, always have it run it through the system and uh, yeah, experiencing the benefits. It's been very good. Okay, fantastic. So to conclude, I wanted to ask a few more uh, personally relevant questions. With, uh, okay, so red light therapy and methylene blue, there's a synergy between those two because of the uh, cytochrome C oxidase, right? Yeah, it turns out methylene blue and red light therapy work in very similar ways. They both tend to when the cytochrome C oxidase enzymes inhibited by nitric oxide, they are the two, only two known drugs or chemicals or nutrients that can remove that nitric oxide from there and restore the function of that enzyme. So uh, both of them together are kind of all the rage in the scientific world right now. They're being studied more than ever for many things, especially things like cancer. And when you combine methylene blue, you drink your drink and you sit under a red light device or out in the sun, they call that photodynamic therapy. And then one better is one that's been used since the beginning of time, which is bathing in mineral rich waters. So for example, you go to the Dead Sea and you bathe in that salt, that brine, and you're getting sunshine. And if you take methylene blue before that, that is balneo photodynamic therapy. So there's a really great combo right there that kind of mimics the best of what nature can give us as far as medicinal skill. And that's one of the things I recommend. Yeah, well, we, we could go and open up a, a retreat, a woo-woo, woo-woo biohacker retreat on the on the shores of the of the, of the Black Sea of the Black Sea coast. We can just combine combine all this stuff, charge people like five thousand dollars a week to to come and hang out. Sounds and sounds a like a good methylene blue in there. Make it uh, it'll, the blue it'll, sea. It'll it'll be it'll be it'll be the the greatest business until there's like the the battle of Armageddon occurs and the blood rises up to the level of the, the horse's, uh, the horse's neck or, or, how, or what, however they say the prophecy is supposed to play out there in that part of the world. It sounds good to me. I'll be there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
All right, final question. Uh, was Have you seen any um, studies on fertility and methylene blue or red light therapy? On methylene blue, I haven't looked it up to be honest. Uh, so there may or may not be, uh, but red light therapy I have. There was a really interesting Russian study. And I guess when uh, couples are trying to conceive, uh, it can be, you know, the man who's struggling to conceive, like his sperm's not uh, functioning properly, or it can be the egg. And in this case, it was um, the men. And so they administered red light therapy to them. And 50% of the couples that couldn't conceive in the study conceived within a month after administration of red light. So it seems very effective at uh, relieving the stress that is inhibiting fertility and, and probably both men and women. And, and methylene blue, it's, it's very similar. It's probably a synergistic effect as well. So I would say, yeah, it's probably also effective. How did they, how did they administer the red light? Did they do it in the, the way that uh, Ben Greenfield describes where they just shine the red light on the dude's balls? That's a good question. Uh, I've administered it that way. I'm not sure exactly how they did it in that study, but I even suspect, I think that would probably be the optimal. Um, but even if you didn't administer it there, I think it would probably have a, an overall relaxation and anti-stress effect on the entire organism, which would in turn, you know, benefit. Okay. Okay. You, you haven't seen any research on the on red light therapy for female fertility? Uh, no. At the time I looked, I was pretty thorough. So I'm not sure if it exists or not, but it may. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll look into that. I'll look into that. I'll double, I'll double check that. I do see, yeah, okay. Let's see, Red Light Man has an article about this and it looks like uh, for female therapy. I will read this article a little bit later. Yeah, Mrs. Roseland here has been has been uh, blasting her vajayjay with <laughs> with uh, with red light on the regular. Yeah, cause <sighs> you got ten kids coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what we're aiming for. Mm-hmm. Oh, is he asking if we want a baby? <laughs> he says we have 10 kids coming. <laughs> so I said, yeah, something. <laughs> well, even, even you know, um, one third of that will be completely fine. Sounds good. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for putting out this book about this, about this, this amazing medicine. As I was, okay. Uh, I'll close philosophically here. There's, everyone has a different theory on uh, what it is that's holding humanity down. What is it that, what is it that's holding humanity back from, you know, claiming our destiny among the stars? You know, is it, uh, is it the capitalism? Is it the socialism? Is it the state? Is it, um, there's, there's a million different conspiracy theories about what it is that's really holding humanity back from like, from advancing towards a, uh, utopian Star Trek kind of vision of the future. And I, I really think that it might be the mainstream allopathic big pharma hospital industrial complex. I really think that may be pretty close to the the number one candidate that's like really holding our species back from, from a beautiful, uh, brilliant uh, future. So I, yeah, I just wanna give you kudos again for um, writing uh, another book, um, shining uh, the light on a really great uh, medicine that's accessible to uh, the vast majority of people out there that sounds like it can really empower people's health. I do, uh, I do keep, I do hope that you, uh, that you keep this up and that you get uh, a big scary dog for your compound there on the frozen tundra of Canada. Is so that, that well, he needs a scary dog that can protect him from the, the big pharma hitmen that a they're cat. sure to sound, send, send after him. Mark, you need a cat. 
I'm not sure if a cat will help with the teams of big pharma assassins, babe. <laughs> I think a cat can help. Oh, yeah, it'll have to be a rather, rather aggressive cat. I'll have to, I'll have to feed Just the make cat sure I don't declaw it. Yeah, yeah, don't declaw it. Don't, don't do that. No, 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 no. Not, we are against declawing. <laughs> So yeah, uh, please please do keep up the research and the writing of these sorts of books. Hey, thanks, brother. Yes, and thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for everyone listening for listening. I hope you got oh. something good out of this. Yes. And where should people follow you? Is the best place over at endalldisease.com? Or are you, uh, are you on any of the social networks nowadays? No, I'm completely off all social medias. There's definitely some good things, but I'm very, I don't regret it one bit. Um, so yeah, if you want to follow my work, sign up at endalldisease.com and I get you three free books, eBooks just for signing up and that'll get you started on your path to greater health.